Uh, I'm not going to be before you long. Um, I, uh, I was up and, and I, I'm just excited about this word that I feel like um, God has, 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 has given me. And uh, I'm very humbled by it. And, um, you know, just each time that I get up and stand up and able just to share the word, I'm, I'm very humbled and, um, you know, just happy to do so and happy that I'm being used. Amen. Um, uh, so I appreciate uh, pastor for giving me an opportunity to share and uh, I pray that it be a blessing to you today amen amen all right uh, we're going to start at our uh, theme text uh, at uh, Luke 5 1 through 8 and if you can uh, put that in the amplified uh, for me Luke 5 1 through 8 and uh, as I was preparing this message um, I immediately thought of this text and it's uh it's so it's so funny that um in Luke out of all the 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 gospels this particular scripture um is is only found in Luke when you go to you know Matthew and uh John that recounts how Peter joined Jesus or how Jesus uh accepted Peter as his disciple and invited him to be his disciple it just says that there's two brothers, Peter, and uh, I believe his brother was Andrew, and uh, they, Jesus said, follow me, and they just dropped everything and follow him, but in this scripture, we're about to see how Peter followed Jesus. We're about to see how he uh, uh, decided, what was the de deciding factor for him to follow Jesus. Uh, this morning, it's just faith school, amen? It's just, that's all it is, it's just faith school. It's the same as normal, regular. We do end time school. We do faith school. So it's going to be faith school this morning. Amen. Luke 5, 1 through 8, Amplified Version. It says, now it happened that while Jesus was standing by the lake of Gesineret, Sea of Galilee, with the people crowding all around him and listening to the word of God, that he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's. This is Simon Peter's talking about. And asked him to put out a little distance from the shore. And he sat down and began teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon Peter, put out into the deep water. Everybody say, put out, put out. into the deep water. And lower your nets for a catch of fish. Go to the next scripture. Simon replied, Master, we worked all night to the point of exhaustion and caught nothing in our nets. But at your word, I will do as you say and lower the nets again. Go to the next scripture. When, he, when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. Everybody say a great number. A great number of fish and their nets were at the point of breaking. Their nets were at the point of breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats with fish so that they began to sink. The title of this message, and if you can go to the... Uh, uh, the main board is how the question that faith can answer. How the question that faith 
can answer. Everybody say how. Everybody say how. Everybody say how again. How many times do we ask that question on a consistent basis in our lives? I mean, just, just think about it. Think about it. When it comes to an issue, Janae, in your life, when you're up against something in your life, when you're trying to figure something out, you ask how, you know? To all of my teenagers in here, you know, you at school, you know, you trying to work on a math problem, quadratic equations, yeah, something like that, which for me, that wasn't, that wasn't my subject. And uh, I was always asking how when it came to quadratic equations, because I did not know what in the world I was doing. So you might ask, well, how do I get this problem? How do I get the answer to this problem? We ask the word how a lot in our lives. Because we need it. We need to know the answers to how something can be done, right? Well, there are generally five questions that God will answer over time when he gives us an instruction. If you can go to the next slide on that one. So the five W's and one H, this is a, is uh, 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 used in academia when it talks about answering investigative questions. So the first is the who. Everybody say the who. The who. The, the, the who is the person, the subject that you're asking the question about. If you, you need an answer or if you're investigating something, if, you, if you're trying to uh, come to a conclusion about something, you need the person, the subject of what that thing is that you're trying to find out. So who is that question? You would ask who. The second would be the what. What is, what is it that we're talking about, right? What is the, what's the main idea, as they say, in school, right? When they're teaching us to summarize, what is the main idea? That's the what. And then you need a place. You need a location. When? Or, 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 or I'm sorry, you need a time. When? When is this going to happen? Right? When did this take place? When did this happen? Then uh, that's where you need the location at. Where? Where? Where did this happen? Where did this take place? So when you're trying to find answers, you got to get all those, those questions answered. Right? And then the why. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Man, we do this all the time in our brain, just, just automatically. Who, what, when, where, why? When we're trying to figure out a news story, when we're trying to figure out, you know, a, 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 a missing puzzle, some, you know, the, okay, I need some more information here. What is, do, what, what is it? When is it? Where is it? You know, how many of us ever been invited to somewhere, right? We, the, the number one thing that we wanted to know was, uh, who's going to be there, right? We want to know who's going to be there. What is it? Don't just be inviting me to anything. All right? I need to know what's going on. What is it? What are we celebrating? Or what is it that we're going to? And then when is it? Right? What day is it? What, what's the date? Where is it? Right? And why are we doing this anyway? Right? We're trying to figure out what, what it is. But a lot of people... Um, in the investigative journalism, uh, they use this model a lot. Uh, as, as seen in scripture, uh, God specifically, he doesn't always answer each of these questions right away. However, a common thing in gathering 
information from the text is that these questions are typically answered. The five W's sometimes referred to as five W's and the how, five W and one H, are questions whose answers are considered basic in information gathering and problem solving. They are often mentioned in journalism, research, and police investigations. According to the principle of the five W's, a report can only be considered complete if it answers these, quest these questions starting with these interrogative words. Who, what, when, where, and why. Others commonly add the word how to the list. Each question should have a factual answer. Facts necessary to include for a report or to be for a report to be considered complete. So you need these questions, typically speaking, when you're talking about trying to find information, you need each one of these questions answered. And I believe that in the, in the word, God, when, we're, when we have questions about uh, how something happened, you know, when it pertains to something spiritual, God typically answers every question up there at some point except the how. That question, the how question, happens to be the least important when it comes to finding out information. It's a, it's a question that doesn't even really need to be answered a lot of times because you will find the answer in the who, the what, the when, the where, and the why. But when it comes to God, we know that without faith, it's impossible to please him, yes? So the thing about faith is that faith doesn't always, because of the, 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 the faith that we have to operate in in order to receive from God, we don't always know the how. As a matter of fact, I believe that faith is the question that can answer, or faith is the answer to the question, how? The how is what stops many people from getting what God has for them. The people that always try to figure out how did God do this? How is this possible? How can this be done? They've already stopped themselves before God could even change anything in them. I hope I, I can make this plain enough uh, for everybody in here to understand and to really grasp. But if you look back at Luke 5, 4, when Jesus gave the instruction, he said, it says when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon Peter, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch of fish. And then Peter answered, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. <laughs> Simon Peter sounds like so many of us sometimes when we're talking to God. I know it. And I know specifically for me, yes, that is how I've come to God at different points. God, why do I have to do this? Why, how, how is this going to get done, right? That's basically what Peter was asking. We've been doing this all night, Jesus. We've been trying to get fish on that. How is me letting another net down after we've been trying? How is this going to help me? How am I going to catch fish, right? Well, go to the, the, the slide uh, up on the screen. Put it on the screen for us. 
Well, you go to the next one. The five W's in Jesus' instructions. So we're just going to, we're going to break this down to the simplest terms and we're going to do some investigative journalism. Is that all right? So the who, the who, everybody say the who. The who in this instruction was Peter. Jesus says, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. He's talking to Peter. The what in this scripture is the nets. What, are we, what do I need to let down, Jesus? You need to let down the nets. When, Jesus? Well, at that moment, we can gather from the text that he probably wanted him to do it now, not later. And so many of us get lost in that too. When, when God, when do I? No, you do it now. Amen. Yeah, God, when can I, when should I do You do it now, right? Because if you go to Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Now, faith is. Faith is now. So, the win was at that very moment. He wanted, Jesus wanted Peter to let down his nets at that moment. The where, he said the where, into the deep, into the deep water. And why? Why did he want Peter to do this? Jesus answered that. And he says, for a catch of fish. But one question he did not answer is the how. He did not answer that. He didn't say how it was going to happen. He didn't explain to him. So what's going to happen is once you let down these nets, you see all the fish, they're going to see the net because I'm spiritually, you know, God uh, in the flesh. And so I'm going to speak to the fish because I am God because I created the fish and I'm going to tell the fish to go into the net. And then when they see the net, they're going to go in and then it's going to break. Out. See, he didn't explain to them how it was going to happen. He just gave them an instruction. That's all he did. He just gave them an instruction, right? And then what did Peter say? Oh, Jesus, we'd have been out here all night. How is this going to happen? How, how, how can we make this, this? This can't work. But nevertheless, at your word. <laughs> nevertheless, at your word, Jesus. Well, I'm going to just, we're going to try it, I guess. Let's, just, let's, throw, let's throw a net down, guys. Let's just throw a net down, right? He, he, didn't, he didn't have the answer. Jesus didn't give him the answer to the how question. Well, let's go over to Hebrews 11.1. 1. Let's go over to Hebrews 11.1 1, because this is faith school. And when it comes to faith, how, the question how, at times can be an enemy to faith. A lot of times in our lives, as we are moving and growing in God, trying to do and fulfill what God has called us to do, we a lot of times put, all our, put on our investigative hats and we want to know how is this going to be done. I mean, you know, think about it. Let's, let's take Pastor for example. Pastor, a great man of faith, uh, 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 a man that's, he's, I mean, he's just through his, throughout his whole life has had a grasp and an idea of what true faith is. But he grew up in a terrible home and, you know, not so bad because he had his mother that loved him and was going to work providing for him. But as far as, you know, somebody that had two parents in the home, he was going through a lot. 
He grew up in, you know, the, 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 the ghetto, the hood or whatever. And, you know, it was just, it was, it was bad. How does a person that, go, that, that goes through those things, how do they keep faith for something greater, right? I'm telling you, the enemy of something greater happening to that person, believing for something greater to happen, is trying to find the answer of how. That would have been the most detrimental question that he could have tried to find the answer to anytime. It would have stopped him in his tracks. He probably wouldn't have been able to become the great preacher and the pastor and the mentor that he is if he always asked the question how, right? How do, how, how can I, how can I be a great father if I don't know, if I don't have a father that's a great example to me, how could I, right? It's an enemy. But Hebrews 11.1 1 says, now faith is the assurance. Title D, confirmations of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed and the evidence of things not seen. The conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. I'm going to give you the summary of that scripture. What, is, what scripture is saying is faith answers the question of how. Faith answers the question of how. So if we, we look back into this scripture, we see that the when question in faith is always answered with a now. Faith doesn't work until you've reached your moment of belief. The moment of your belief is always in the now sense of time. Anytime that you believe God for something, that's your now. At the moment that you believe God can do something in your life, or that God is able to do something in your life, that is your now moment. If you haven't had a now moment of faith, then you're not in faith. Because faith is now. Faith is now. So faith always answers the win question as well. It always answers the win question. By default, it's now. But when you're talking about an instruction that God is giving, most of the times, if not all the time, he's going to eventually give you a win. He's going to give you a, a time frame, a season, a win to do something. We see this very plainly in Genesis 7, 1 through 5. Let's go to Genesis 7, 1 through 5. And we're going to camp out at Hebrews 11 as well. And I need to move here. But Genesis 7, 1 through 5. We're talking about Noah in Hebrews 11 and uh, uh, 30 talks about Noah's how question <laughs> that didn't have to be answered in order for him to obey God. Then the Lord said to Noah, come into the ark, you with all your household, for you alone I have seen as righteous doing what is right before me in this generation. Of every clean animal, you shall take with you seven pair, the male and his female, and of the animals that are not clean, to each the female, the male and his female. Also of the birds of the air, seven pair, the male and the female, to keep the offspring alive on the surface of the earth. For in seven days, I am going to cause it to rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy, blot out, wipe away every living thing that I have made from the surface of the earth. 
So Noah did, everybody say, say, so Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. He did all that the Lord commanded him. Let's go back to the slides. So let's look at the five W's of Noah. Five W's of God's command to Noah. Let's break this down. The who? Noah and company. Noah and his family and animals from everywhere, all over, everywhere. That was what, that was what God's command was. His command was to him for him to gather up his family and animals, right? Two by two, whatever. The what? What was the what? The flood of the earth. It was finna be a flood. Now, y'all, let me tell you something. Noah had not seen nothing like this. As a matter of fact, nobody on earth had seen anything like this. Uh, it, it, it's plain, and it's, it's sort of out of scripture in Hebrews 11.30. We're finna go there in a second, but that Noah didn't even know what, he didn't know, that nobody knew what rain was. It had not rained. And as a matter of fact, in Genesis, it said that God caused the ground to be misted and dewed upon. And that he, like, it, 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 he hadn't caused rain to fall on the earth yet. It didn't happen until this flood. So the flood of the earth is what God wanted Noah to avoid. The wind, he said, in seven days. In seven days, I'm going to flood the whole earth. He gave Noah the where? The ark. That's where you're going to be at, brother, for 40 days, 40 nights with all the animals and your family. You're going to be in the ark. That's the where. And then the why. Why did God flood the whole earth in the first place? Well, sin and corruption. The Bible says that Noah was the only righteous man living on the earth. But one question and he didn't really give Noah the answer to, is how is all this going to happen? How in the world is there supposed to be some water that we have never seen, we've never seen rain ever? How is this going to happen? How is God going to flood the whole earth? If he would have stood there and pondered that question, I guarantee you the ark would have never been built. I guarantee you he wouldn't have been able to get all them animals up in the ark in the first place. He wouldn't have been moving because he would have been investigative and trying to figure out the how. He was trying to find an answer that God wasn't going to give him. He wanted, God wanted Noah to use his faith. Faith is the answer to the how question. Let's go back to Hebrews 11.30. Hebrews 11.30. Noah did not know what the rain was before the flood came. I'm sorry, let's go to Hebrews 11:7. Noah did not know what the rain was before the flood came. Those were the things that had not been seen by anyone on the earth. But he did not need an answer to the question, how? He needed to know how God was going to flood the earth from rain that had never been seen before. He didn't need to know how God was going to flood the earth. But by faith, this is Hebrews eleven seven, with confidence in God and his word, Noah being warned by God about the events not yet seen, it was talking about rain, it was talking about the flood, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his family. But this act of disobedience, he condemned the world and became the heir of righteousness, which comes by faith. Everybody say, by faith. 
So Noah didn't need the how question answered for him to do what God wanted him to do. Now let's go to Hebrews 11.30. We have another example. Our last example of somebody or a group of people that didn't need the how question answered in order to do what God told them to do. By faith, this is the hall of faith, by faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days by Joshua and the sons of Israel. Let's flip over to Joshua 6, 1 through 5. Let's go to the instruction that God gave Joshua. Joshua 6, 1 through 5. Now Jericho, a fortified city with high walls, was tightly closed because of the people's fear of the sons of Israel. No one went out or came in. The Lord said to Joshua, see, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and the mighty warriors. Now you shall march around the city. All of the men, y'all listen to this. You shall march around the city. All the men of war circling the city once. You shall do this once each day for six days. Also, seven priests shall carry seven trumpets made of ram's horns ahead of the ark. Then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. Now, let's just stop right there. I know we, we hear this, a lot of these Bible stories, the, the flood of Noah that we just read, Joshua and the walls of Jericho coming down, David killing Goliath, Moses and the Israelites walking through this, the Red Sea, I know a lot of us, we just grow up and we hear this and we accept it, but I really want you to think about what God just told this man to do. Put yourself in Joshua's shoes. They are men of war. They're supposed to be taking over territory. And God says, put down your swords. Don't bring your shields. No need for any weaponry or anything like that. No need for arrows. No need for anything, anything like that. And uh, just walk around, walk around the, the, the temple. Just take a stroll, take a little march around the temple. Six days. And then just have seven priests out there carrying trumpets, just blowing trumpets and stuff like that. And then on the seventh day, don't even, you know, y'all walk around and then, hey, just, just yell. Just yell real loud. Yell. Just, just yell. Just make some noise out of your mouth. Just God, what? I thought you just told us to, you want us to overtake the city of Jericho. How? How are we going to overtake the city of Jericho by yelling, by people blowing some trumpets, and by marching around the city? How are we going to do that? Did Joshua, y'all think Joshua asked him? Well, let's find out. Let's go to verse 5. When they made a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of trumpet, all the people shall cry with a great shout, battle cry, and the wall of the city will fall down in its place, and the people shall go up, each man going straight ahead, climbing over the rubble. Go to verse 20. Skip down to verse 20. 
Skip down to verse 20. So the people shouted the battle cry. The priests blew the trumpets. When the people heard the sound of the trumpet, they raised the great shout, and the wall of Jericho fell down. So that the sons of Israel went up into the city, every man straight ahead, climbing over the rubble, just like God told them to do, and they overthrew the city. Not once in Scripture are you going to read, did they ever ask God the question, how? Did they ever try to figure out themselves how this was going to happen? They didn't put on the investigative hats, Brother Dwayne. They didn't say, okay, so the reason why I believe the walls are probably going to shake, I think in my head, maybe, I don't know, is that if we yell loud enough, the vibration on the yells will bounce off the walls and then it will crumble it up from the inside out and then it's going to fall. I think maybe that's what is going to happen. I'm not, nah, man, that's stupid. I, that, I'm not, that's not right. That can't happen. How is this going to happen? Not one time did they ask God how. But faith answered the how question. Faith answered the how question. They did it in faith. They marched around the city six days, blew the trumpets, and then they yelled on the seventh day. And that answered the how question. Let's go back to the uh, presentation. So let's break the five W's down with Joshua. Five W's of God's command of Joshua. The who. The who is Joshua and the army. That is who God instructed. The what. What are we doing, God? What are we going to what are we going to do? Where are you going to march? They was marching. That's the what. And then the when. When are we going to do this, God? When are we going to do this? We're going to do this for seven days. For seven days, we're going to march around the city of Jericho, and we're going to yell and blow trumpets. So when? Seven days. Where? The city of Jericho. Why? To overtake the city. So God gave them all the answers to all the W questions. Once again. But the one question that he did not answer was how. Are y'all getting it now? You, you understanding the pattern? You see the pattern here. Okay. So, God didn't answer the how question when it came to Joshua. Joshua didn't need the answer of how. He didn't, he didn't need the answer to the how question when the time came for the walls of Jericho to come down. He didn't need to know how the walls were going to collapse by them shouting he didn't need to know how it was going to come down. He just obeyed in faith. Now, I'm going to modernize this because um, it is a term that's used in uh, corporate America, and it's a term that applies to a lot of Christians, I believe, in these times when it comes to faith and believing God for things. Go to the next slide. So when you're talking about the how question, when you're talking about the question of how, the modern day translation is this term right here, paralysis of analysis, trying to figure out and analyze how something is going to happen. Paralysis of analysis. The modern day how. Analysis paralysis or paralysis by analysis describes an individual or a group 
process when overanalyzing or overthinking a situation can cause forward motion or decision making to become paralyzed, meaning that no solution or course of action is decided upon. I guarantee you, out of everybody that we just read about today, had they did this, they would not have received what God wanted from them. As a matter of fact, we do have an instance of where the Israelites, before they overtook the walls of Jericho, 40 years before, as a matter of fact, uh, was faced up against those same giants and said, God, we can't overtake this city. We can't overtake this, 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 this group of people. They big. We're, we're small in their eyes. How are we? How? Oh, how? How are we going to do this, God? How are we supposed to overtake these people? How? Paralysis of analysis. You know what God said to that? <laughs> Don't worry about it. You ain't going. You, you ain't going. It's your time. I told you to go up there and overtake the city. But don't worry about it. You ain't going. And they died. He said, that generation, don't worry about it. All y'all going to die. Your children going to see it. Because you were stuck in the how. How something was going to happen. Paralysis of analysis. Trying to figure out. Trying to come up with a solution. Trying to figure out how something is going to happen. I told you I wasn't going to be before you long, and I'm going to try to stick to that. You know, in faith, needing to know how God is going to do something before doing what he said will hinder you from ever making progress. Paralysis of analysis and faith cannot exist. Can't exist. You can't be overanalyzing and overthinking, Sister Tawana, if you're constantly overanalyzing and overthinking an instruction that God has given you. Can't move forward. Bible says, as we said before, without faith, it's impossible to please him. The only thing that's going to please God is faith, is actual belief. If you don't believe God, if you don't believe that he can do what he's promised, if you don't believe what he said in his word, if you don't believe who God is and who he says he is. We know the names, Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Nisi and all that, right? God our healer, God our provider, all that, right? But how many of us actually really believe that God is our healer? How many people actually really believe? I love what Fred Price says. He says, do you believe the word of God? He said, oh, yes, yes, Brother Price, I believe the word of God. I believe his word is the number one thing. I believe in the word of God. He said, do you believe in what God said and promised in his word? Oh, yes, Brother Price, yes. I believe in the word of God. I believe what the word of God says. I believe that God can heal. I believe that God can do miracles. He said, do you believe me? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Do you have pain? Oh, yes. Yes, I have pain. I have pain in my back. But I thought you just said you believed that God was a healer. I thought you just said you believe in God's word. Because in his word, in Isaiah 53 and 5, it says he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. I thought you said you believe it. But the analysis of paralysis, how is this going to happen? 
So when you come up against a, uh, a doctor's uh, report that you in the first stages of cancer, what do you believe in that moment? What do you truly believe? Are you trying to analyze and look up all the cures, the possible manly cures on WebMD? You trying to look up, ah, oh, how can I, how can I put some, I need to figure it out how to, how to, they said I got cancer. I, I, I gotta, I gotta figure out how I'm gonna get over this. What, what are the options, doctor? What, what are some things that I need to do? What are the symptoms of this? What does this mean? What does this information in this area mean? I mean, what, trying to figure out, overanalyze. The paralysis of analysis is an enemy to faith. Trying to figure out the answer to the how question is not needed. Faith will always answer the how question. I have a story, and uh, we're going to wrap this up this morning. But, um, you know, I've been taught the principles of faith and believing God for a very long time. Uh, as a pastor's kid, it, it, you know, we were taught faith. We were taught how to believe. And uh, I, I, I didn't really have to use the principles of faith as much because I had a good father and I, I had a good mother, and they pretty much gave me everything I needed and a lot of what I wanted. So I was privileged in that area. However, when I became an adult, and hit the real world, well, I, I realized there's some situations where it's going to cause you to have to use some faith sometime. And uh, I remember uh, back in 2019, I didn't, uh, I didn't have a reason to feel a, a bad feeling or to feel negative or to be down or depressed because I had just come off probably one of the best years that I had ever had Success-wise, uh, I had been doing music and stuff, and so, you know, one of the songs took off and landed on the radio, and, you know, it was number one downloaded in, in the nation um, for Christian rap. Uh, and so I didn't really have a reason to be depressed about anything. As a matter of fact, it was the most, supposed to be the most exciting time of my life, and it, it was in a lot of ways. But um, in the, uh, the summer of... 2019, believe in June, one day I was just sitting at home and I started crying. I had an emotional breakdown and I didn't really understand why. Uh, like I said, it was a great time, so there's no reason for me to be sad about anything. And, um, you know, music was taking off, everything was growing. I just finished my first music video and I mean, it just looked very promising. I had met a lot of higher-up people that had connections and record deals and stuff like that. But I felt, I felt down this day. And I just started crying and just bawling and, like, uncontrollably. Well, that day, I realized that everything that I was doing and trying to do was to promote myself. Talk about paralysis of analysis. How do I get to a success? Well, I got to figure it out. I got to push 
myself. I got to push my music. I got to push everything that I'm doing, push this, you know, radio single and all that stuff. And trying to get that to happen and seeing it happen was great. But the whole time, I was analyzing how to do it, how I was going to reach my level of success, Brother Courtney, my, my peak. And I broke down emotionally. And for the first time, I, I mean, I had never really heard God audibly. I, I, don't, I don't think I have, but it felt audible because, I mean, I heard it clearly. God said, pack all your stuff up and go to Colorado and go to Karis Bible School. I had not thought about Karis in three years. I had not thought about Bible school in years. I was doing music. I wasn't concerned with that. But in the midst of my crying and all that stuff, God spoke to me and says, go to Karis Bible School. And I was just like, what? <laughs> I just came off a radio single God, like, no, I'm, that's going to ruin everything. I, I'm not going to be able to focus on music and go to Bible school up in Colorado. I don't even know anybody up there, right? But he told me to do it. He told me to do it. So that was the moment where I said, you know what, God? Whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. He gave me an instruction. Go to Karis Bible School in Colorado. Now, Brother Wayne, I was tempted in my mind to think and to ask God, how am I going to do this? How am I just going to drop everything I'm doing and go move to Colorado? In two months, the fall semester started in August. This is June we're talking about. How am I just going to do this, God? You want me to just pack up my stuff up and just, and just leave? How, how, how am I going to do that? Well, I was tempted to ask that question. I was tempted to find that answer. But I didn't. I said, God, if this is you, I'm going to just move in faith. So that very next week, I put in my two weeks notice at my job. I said, hey, I'm, I'm quitting. You quitting? I had just gotten that job three months before. Best job I had ever had, too. I mean, more money than I've ever made. It was a co-teaching job at my old school, my old high school. I'm like, man, I feel I'm great. I'm making money, you know. They say, you going to quit? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to quit. Where you going? Uh, Colorado. <laughs> For what? Well, I mean, you know, uh, they got a Bible school up there, so. You gonna go to Bible school up there? Yeah, yeah. They ain't got no Bible schools down here? Yeah, they do. They do got Bible schools here, but I just feel like I'm supposed to go to Colorado, you know? God told me. Oh, okay, well, I see you later, I guess. Yeah, go ahead. So, started getting my stuff together, my boxes. I have no place to stay. I don't have anywhere to stay. Don't know anybody in Colorado. I don't have a job now. I'm jobless. I thought you needed money, Brother Pat, to move to another, another state, another city, right? I mean, typically, you need money. You got to get there. And I don't have any of that. 
So don't have a job, don't have any money, don't have. And then uh, mid-July, after been looking for jobs and stuff like that, still don't have a job. Miss Lynchy, I don't have a job. Applied to some schools and stuff. And then finally got an interview. First interview I got. 15-minute interview, probably the quickest interview I've ever had. And they hired me on the spot. 15 minutes is all it was. Hired me. Then, now I've answered the, 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 the where question, right? I'm going to Colorado, right? God told me that. I answered where I'm going to live. God answered that too. Or what, what job I'm going to get. God answered that, right? So that's the what question that he answered for me. But now, I need to figure out, okay, so I have a, a when I'm supposed to go, which is in fall. I have a what I'm going to have up there, which is a job at this school. I have a, uh, the answer to uh, the where question, because it's in Colorado. And I know why. I'm going to Bible school because God wants me to do ministry, right? But again, I was still tempted. But how, brother, do I, how am I going to get a, a place up there? How? How is this going to happen? In, in less than a month, how am I going to do this? Then, then ask God that question, though. I just say, okay, I got a job. Now let's find a place to stay. So I'm looking on sites, looking on the Facebook, and they got connect groups and stuff like that. You can connect with people to you know, have a place or find a place to stay. Found a place. Probably the first place I looked. It's a lady, uh, a Caucasian lady. Um, owns the, the house. She owns the house. She's renting out rooms. So, the question again comes up. Okay, God, I'm with I'm talking to this white lady about renting out a room. How is this going to work? Because I'm black, and she's very, very white. And it's up here in the mountains. And I thought living with somebody, especially of the opposite sex, that just ain't, that ain't right, is it, God? Like, this, how is that going to work? How is a, a 25-year-old black man, I mean, how is she going to just trust me like that? Well, we had an interview, first interview. In the first five minutes, this lady, she hasn't indicated to me that she's a Christian or anything or a believer or anything. She says, you know what? I think, I just feel like I'm supposed to let you stay here. I don't know what it is. I can't figure it out, but I just think I'm supposed to let you rent out a room. I go, okay, all right. And she's like, yeah. And you know what? Don't worry about the first two months of rent. Don't even worry about it. It's okay. I got it. Okay, so now I have a place to stay. Okay, first two months didn't have to pay for rent, so all my questions have been answered. I still don't know how that happened, though. I don't know how all of this has happened in such a quick amount of time. Like, how how does a person trust somebody that they don't know? that lives in Houston, Texas, that is of another race. I mean, y'all, we know what's going on out here in these streets with the black and white people. We know. We know. There's, a, there's a, sometimes, you know, when you don't know somebody of another race, there's a level of trust that got to be built, Brother Pat. 
you know. How, how does she just trust me just to move into her house? Then she tells me, oh, by the way, I have a young daughter by the age of uh, 10 as well. This lady, Sister Cassie, is going to trust me around her 10-year-old daughter? She don't know me. Ain't never, they never met me a day in her life. How is this, this going to happen? Didn't matter. God had my place there with that lady. That's where I was going to stay. So it happened. Packed up all my stuff. Had already had my stuff packed. Had already quit my job in faith. Didn't ask how any of this was going to happen. It just happened. I believe God. It happened. So fast forward August, first week of August, driving right up there, driving up to the, the house that God wanted, where, where he wanted me to stay, where he wanted me to rent out a room at. And uh, had everything I needed. Had a job. Had everything. But as looking back on that, I never tried to figure out how. I didn't spend one moment on it. I wasn't stuck in analysis of paralysis. Wasn't trying to find out how all of this was going to happen. Well, that's one thing, right? Getting there. Another thing is actually having, being able to stay there, Sister Tbilisi. Because uh, in Colorado, they have very high prices. And uh, the gas is high. The, the, uh, the, uh, the prices of food is high. The living rent and all that stuff is high. And the people, they high too. Everything is just high. It's high altitudes. It's high everything in Colorado. So one thing is getting there. God got me there. But now, God, how do I stay here with this job I got? Now, I was presented with a problem, Pastor Israel. I got a place to stay. I stayed seven minutes away from my campus, my college campus. But my job is in a whole other city almost an hour away. God, how is, how is this going to work? How am I going to be able to do all that? I was tempted, Brother Dwayne. Didn't ask, that, didn't ask God that question, though. I said, okay, I'm going to do it. This is where I'm supposed to work. I got it. Boom. But then the job only pays me once a month. The school I'm working at, the district, they, they only pay people once a month in Colorado. Not twice is what I'm used to, you know, bi-weekly. Getting a check every two weeks. Felt good on Fridays every two weeks to get a check. Now I'm reduced down to one check. One check. My rent is $600 a month. My tuition is $600 a month. That's $1,200. If anybody didn't know the answer to that math question, that's $1,200. $1,200. Ask me how much they paid me at my job. $1,000. Every month. I got $1,000. Just 1000 my expenses, along with the rent and the tuition, Sister Lodger, is $1,200. I don't have time to get up and get a second job. I'm going to school full time. My job is an hour away. How am I going to be able to do this? Then I got 
my phone bill. I got gas. That guy spent $4 a gallon. I got uh, insurance I got to pay for. Did I mention my rent and my tuition was $600 a piece each? Okay. How, God? Didn't ask that question. I didn't ask God how I was going to pay for it. Didn't ask him. I said, okay, God, I'm going to do it. So, was able to get little things here and there, money and stuff like that. But at the end of the year, after God had helped me stay afloat, pay for everything, I, was, I had due an astounding amount of tuition. Did not have the funds to pay for it. So God has helped me all this way. And I've been in school this whole time only to not finish because I did not pay. I wasn't able to pay at the end. COVID happened. When COVID happened, well, came back down here for the spring break. My plan was after spring break, I'm going back up to Colorado, finish out my year. Oh, yeah, can't nobody go nowhere. We shutting everything down. Okay, all right. So what are we doing? Are we going back? Or when am I? When am I? Oh, we don't know. It's just shut down. <laughs> no details. So I got my car, everything up in Colorado, but I'm staying here. I'm with my parents. Vacation is supposed to be. Turns out that this is going to be a vacation where I'm staying there. So comes up, tuition, haven't worked. Remember, they give you $1,000. They gave me $1,000 every month, but I haven't worked. So we're still getting some money in, but it wasn't enough to cover the tuition bills. Because also, quarterly, they make you pay for 300 They give, make you pay an extra $900 uh, once every semester. So I was able to take care of the 900 but it's the 600 that I wasn't able to take care of. So I'm in debt to this school, $600. It didn't matter it was a Christian school. Christian schools want their money, too. They're not going to forgive nothing. Bro, we want our money. Give us our money. I'm going slow like this so you can really understand why this is significant. So got the $600 that I got to pay for, but I'm not working. How do I get that money, Sister Laundry? I was tempted to ask God how. I was, but I didn't. Went to my dad. I told him what was going on. He said, don't worry about it. Okay, don't worry about it. Cool. I, got, I owe him $600, but I ain't going to worry about it, just like you said. Don't worry about it. That was my instruction from the Lord that he gave me. Don't worry about it. So I didn't worry about it. Well, it, uh, in May, when they were wrapping up and everybody was getting ready, the school year was getting ready to end, I get an email. Uh, somebody has covered your tuition and has paid for all your expenses and gave you a gift of $600. 
Yeah, I know, I know all you spiritual people in here, that happens to you all the time. Stuff like that. People just pay for stuff for you. Just pay for your bills and stuff. I know. I know that happens. But yeah, God did that for me. But here's the question. All of that, experiencing all of that, going through all of that, do I get all those things without faith, without believing God? Had I been stuck in August, Sister Laundry, or in June, rather, when God told me to go to Colorado in the paralysis of analysis, if I get stuck in trying to figure out how all these things are going to happen, I don't never get to Colorado. I don't get there because I'm trying to figure it out. What do I need God for if I'm just going to figure everything out on my own anyway? What do I need God for? I don't need him. If, I, if I'm going to try to figure out the answer to my how questions, I don't need God. What do I need God to do? I got it. But I didn't have it. <laughs> Obviously, I didn't have it. I needed God. I needed God to do something. I needed him to do what I couldn't do in the supernatural. I needed him. I feel in this room that we are all at different points, the believers anyway, are all at different points of faith. And this message might have been a watering for some people. For some people, it just might have been a planting. Planting a seed of, you know what, I can actually believe God for something. In, in closing, I, I want to say that faith answers your how questions. There are a group of people, Janae, in this uh, modern day and age called uh, atheists. Don't believe God. reason why they can't believe God, Pastor Israel, is because of the how question. How can God... How, how can he do these? How? How can he? How? How is it possible? How does God flood a whole earth, the whole planet at one time? How, how does he do that? How does Jesus raise from the dead after he's been dead and three days later he just out the tomb? How does that happen? Y'all remember what Down Thomas said when Jesus rose? I will not believe until I see the holes in his hands and his feet. I will not. He didn't have his how question answered. The way he would have had his how question answered is by faith. Just believing. Y'all, I love what Jesse Duplantis says. He says when he's trying to figure out how to, how, you know, God tell him to build something, or, you know. He said, God, how... Am I going to pay for this? I can't. He said, God said, I didn't ask you to pay for it. I asked you to believe for it. Our job, y'all, our job as believers, and I don't, I don't care what we're up against. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what your situation may be. Our job is to just believe, to have faith in God. That's it. That's our job. That's our job. God does the rest, but our job is to believe. What do we believe, though, Brother Courtney? We believe 
what God said in his word. That's what we believe. If he said it in his word, I'm going to believe it. This book, this Bible is not a scientific Bible. It's not an explanatory Bible. It's not the answer to the how questions. This Bible is a faith Bible. It's a book of belief. See, that's where the atheists and all the people that have a hard time believing in God, that's where they get lost. It's because they don't believe in the actual word of God as the authority. But the authority of the word of God is a book of faith. You can't believe in something or believe for something if you have to have it explained to you, overly explained. Can't believe for it. Can't believe. The how question is always answered by faith. Was it good this morning? Come on, give God a hand clap of praise for that word. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I, I want everybody to take a moment, bow your heads, close your eyes.